right. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome. What's the name of this podcast? Pass the Popcorn. I wish we had popcorn. <laughs> we should have popcorn when we record. Oh, yeah. That's all they need to hear is the crunching. No. ASMR. Okay. So this week we are doing Death Becomes Her. I'm not sure. Oh, yes. Go ahead, Edward. That's quite far. I'm literally leaning into the table to talk. Okay, I am you too. You have to lean in. Uh, all right. So we're doing Death Becomes Her this week. A, the release date of this film was July 31st, 1992, starring Meryl Streep, Goldie Hawn, Bruce Willis, and Isabella Rossellini. It was directed by Robert Zemeckis, rated PG-13. It is one hour and 44 minutes. Uh, synopsis is, when a woman learns of an immortality treatment, she sees it as a way to outdo her longtime rival. It was nominated for 16 awards, including an Oscar for Best Visual Effects, which it won, a Golden Globe nomination for Meryl Streep, and a BAFTA for special Best Special Effects, which that it also won. Um, I wanted to particularly, we don't usually mention, um, but I wanted to mention the costume design by Joanna Johnston because the costumes and outfits that they wear throughout the film are amazing, yeah. beautiful. And the production design is by Rick Carter. Um, all of the interior, like the mansion, was all fabricated mm -hmm. and built on a set, which is amazing. It looks so beautiful. So, I mean, I, I was fooled. I thought they literally found a, uh, just a, a great mansion. I, I would have thought, it. too, they found a mansion in Beverly Hills yeah. and everything was... So they did a really good job. Yeah. The costumes, too, just to speak on the costumes, mm -hmm. Meryl and Goldie Hawn look great in all those dresses and the hair and the makeup. Mm -hmm. Just very glamorous, like... Just beautiful, beautiful, oh. beautiful. This is my favorite Meryl Streep film. I think this is one of the movies where I've seen her look the best. Like, she looks beautiful. Oh, yeah. I mean, she looks pretty much great in everything, but in this movie, like... Yeah, wow. I think the costumes are really... Really yeah. painted them very in, in a very good light. All right, so we'll start with our scene breakdown. The movie opens, showing us Broadway, New York in 1978, where Madeline is performing in a musical. People are walking out left and right during the play, talking about how bad it is. And Madeline's friend Helen is in the audience with her love interest, Dr. Ernest Menville, who is blown away by Madeline Ashton, giving her the only standing ovation in the entire theater. And um, if you haven't seen, um, you should watch it first of all. But yeah, if you're, Madeline if you it, is Meryl Streep. Pause it. Yeah. We don't want to spoil this because we're about to basically break down every scene. So go watch this if you haven't seen it and come back and listen. Yeah. And Madeline is Meryl Streep. Dr. What's his name? I'm sorry. Ernest Menville. Is Bruce Willis and... Um, Helena, is that her name? Helen. Helen Sharp. Sharp is Goldie Hawn. Yes. So, after the play finishes, we see Madeline in her dressing room looking at her wrinkles until her assistant Rose tells her that her guest Helen Sharp is here to see her. The two exchange their pleasantries, but Madeline is clearly more interested in Ernest, Helen's current love interest, even openly flirting with him in front of Helen. Yeah. And in this scene, there's two particular uh, exchanges that I love. Uh, when Madeline's looking into the mirror, like looking at herself and then her assistant telling her that, uh, Helen is here. Madeline says, how'd she look? And her assistant says, who? And then Madeline goes, Helen, you idiot. And then, uh, uh this whole movie between like Madeline and Helen, it's, it's just, great. it's great, but they're like, they're two bitchy best friends they're that friend like love and hate each other. Yeah. But I think under most of it, it's hate. It's a, it's like, it's like competition between them. Absolutely. And that's what this whole movie is. It's, that's why it's so good. Yeah. It's, it's just like, it's just competition between two bitches. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the fake, uh, also the fake gas uh, that Madeline is preparing to see Helen, which she's literally like practicing her gas. So she's like <gasps> faking it. Yeah. And then she goes, okay, I'm ready. And then they it's open just, the door. Like, it's like fake Great. Hollywood encounters. Like just like, 
beautiful to see you. Kiss, yeah, like, oh my God. Like, yeah, yeah it's, it's wonderful. So uh, in the next scene, we see Dr. Ernest Menville in the surgery room with Madeline stopping by and distracting him. We quickly cut to a conversation between Helen and Ernest about the dinner that he had with Madeline Ashton, telling Helen she has absolutely nothing to worry about. Until we cut to the next scene where Ernest and Madeline are leaving a church, now married, and Helen is there watching it all, squeezing a piece of, piece of cloth until her hand starts to bleed. Uh, so Madeline's a bitch. She basically stole her one her of her man. closest friends, fiance. They were engaged to be married. Helen yeah. and Doctor, um, what's his name? I'm sorry, I keep forgetting his uh, name. Doctor Ernest, just Ernest. Dar Doctor Ernest, just Ernest. Yeah, Meryl Streep stole the man in yeah, the movie. She's a bitch. Yeah. Helen was right to be to be uh, a completely gold digging. She, she was a gold digger. Like she found this plastic surgeon that she wanted. She got him. And then after that, I mean, it just cuts to their life. And yeah, Hollywood. So now seven years later, Helen is now fat and in her apartment with her many cats. Her landlord is there telling her that the police are with him and that they're coming in. Helen is in her recliner eating frosting out of a container and gets taken away to a mental facility while watching Madeline getting killed in one of her movies on television repeatedly. Uh, Helen, now in a mental institution, can think of nothing else but Madeline Ashton causing everyone else to lose it at just the mention of her name. Her physician begs her to forget all about Madeline Ashton, saying you need to erase her completely from your mind. To which Helen seems to take quite literally as in murder, not just forget about her. So it's interesting how the film, I, I didn't realize until I watched it over again, how many gaps, I mean, not gaps, but how it jumps so far, like 1978. And then it goes seven years later when Helen is now overweight. Mm -hmm. And then it jumps another seven years. Uh, and it shows them in Beverly Hills now where we see Madeline and Ernest marriage. Madeline is bandaged up, looking worse for wear, and receiving Helen's invitation to her book release party while Ernest is in his office passed out from another night of binge drinking, waking up and beginning to drink all over again. So in this scene, uh, for me, there was two lines that I, I love. Uh, Madeline is there all bandaged up, and she's uh, making fun of Helen's book, which is called Forever Young. And she goes, forever young, right, and eternally fat, talking about Helen. And uh, just after that, she also goes, oh, that clever little witch. She said seating ass <laughs> assignments. <laughs> I thought that was such a, I love it. Yeah. I just love her. Madeline is yeah. so great in this. Like that clever little witch. I think it, it's, um, <laughs> it's interesting how they both kind of mm. kept up with each other, even mm -hmm. though they hated each other. They, oh, yeah. they knew what the, each other were doing. Madeline went on to be, you know, a famous Hollywood actress. She got older. She hates herself because she looks old. And Madeline became a best-selling um, author. Helen. Ellen. Helen. Helen. <laughs> Ellen. Ellen. <laughs> you said Madeline for both of them. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, so we cut to Ernest now. Uh, he's a mortician working on a celebrity showing that he is no longer participating as a practicing as a plastic surgeon. And Madeline going to an upscale beauty spa where she's trying to look her best for the upcoming book party for Helen. Madeline is clearly desperate, saying money is no object, pleading with the young assistant at the spa. Mr. Chagall appears seemingly out of nowhere, dismissing the young attendant and giving Madeline Liesel von Rumen's card, the woman he thinks that can help her with her beauty needs. Madeline rips it up and throws it in her purse, dismissing the remarks. Uh, it, I don't know. They don't really say who Mr. Chagall is. They just that the young little twenty-something-year-old yeah. attendant he is like, at the oh, spa or, or he owns it. Yeah, we don't. I don't really know. Yeah. Or he's a manager, but. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, another like a moment of the lines here, Anna, uh, who is the spa attendant in her 20s, she's faking a French accent 
to Madeline and she's like, how about a nice collagen buff? And Madeline mocks her and she goes, a collagen buff? And then she's like, you might as well ask me to wash with soap and water. Just furious with her. Uh, just another great Madeline moment uh, with her lines. She's, I mean, she just knows how to deliver it. Uh, and you can kind of tell that Madeline is a little bit more trashy. Not trashy, but she's uh, not as refined as Helen. Especially with the like how she speaks to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we cut to uh, to see Madeline and Ernest arriving at Helen's book party, where Madeline is shocked at how amazing Helen looks. Helen and Madeline are throwing their subtle jabs at one another. One another, of course. Uh, Madeline sees Helen talking, taking Ernest to into a private area of the venue. Uh, we also those famous lines that everybody, if you know this film, uh, the Helen instead of saying Madeline, she says Mad, and then Madeline sees her and she goes Hell, and. Uh, one of the jabs that they take is Madeline saying, 12 long years and look at you, you have a waist. And Helen saying, oh, Madeline, you haven't changed. I wasn't sure you were going to come. I spoke to my PR woman and she said, Madeline Ashton goes to the opening of an envelope. Oh, those people can be so cruel. I fired her. Well, I almost fired her. And then when she's alone with Ernest, she goes, she's a woman, a woman, Ernest from Newark, for Christ's sake. I just, Helen starting mm-hmm. to have her own great lines. So... Madeline goes to see Dakota, the young man that she's yeah. having an affair with. I forget she was having and, an affair. And just to speak on that scene when mm-hmm. they finally meet after 12 years. Oh, yeah. Madeline, she doesn't look horrible. I mean, she looks great. Like, mm-hmm. she's... But she doesn't look season, as good. She's a seasoned actress. You know, she's older. And Helen looks amazing. She looks like a Malibu Barbie, like, beautiful in a beautiful red. dress. Yeah. Gorgeous hair. Backless. You know, cinched. Like, oh, she's not cinched. She doesn't need to be. Yeah. She's just that little No, petite. she looks cinched. Like, she looks petite, yeah. waist, hips. Like, she looks great in that scene. Cinched is a corset. Like I said, that's why she looks cinched. Like, she's a lo- backless dress. Whatever. She looks great. <laughs> okay. She does. She does look great. Uh, so Madeline goes to see Dakota, the young man she's having an affair with, to discover that he has another woman at his place. He calls her old, basically telling her to find someone her own age, and she leaves with the rain beginning to fall on her, and she's crying, humiliated. And this is when she finds that card, uh, Liesl von Ruman's card, that she had torn up and thrown in her purse. Um, so she visits uh, Liesl von Ruman's mansion to see what Liesl's offering, which is eternal youth, essentially, in a bottle. Madeline wants to know how much, and the cost varies for everyone, according to Liesl, and that we never get to see the exact amount that she writes down on the piece of paper because she burns it right after. Uh, Madeline gets up to leave because the number must be ridiculous to her. However, she changes her mind and writes a check for an undisclosed amount. Madeline drinks the potion, and in this film, it's pretty cool. We get to see the transformation happen mm-hmm. right before our eyes. So I have a question, Edwin. Well, and then just oh, to um, mm-hmm. comment on that scene when... When Madeline goes and meets Liesl, Cecil, mm-hmm. what's her name? Liesl. Um, it's just this gorgeous, like exotic, beautiful-looking beautiful woman, and now she's she li- naked the whole time. Almost, almost. Uh, well, naked. almost naked. Yeah. They just cover her, her breast and her like vaginal area, I think, and she's just surrounded by like these half-naked, hunky men. <laughs> like she's just living like this weird, like witchy kind of. It's, it's just it's odd. Like when I saw that, I'm like, ooh, like what's going on here? <laughs> but it's it's enticing. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's uh so Edwin, how much do you think that Madeline paid? It was ninety two. Well, this was in the eighties. Yeah. I'm guessing it must have been a million if that. Hmm, interesting. How much would you have paid? 
How much would I have paid? Yeah, for this. For that, like, to get the bottle of Eternal Youth. I mean, I don't have that money, but if I would have had the million... Well, it, no, it varies depending on... That's what that's what she yeah. was saying. That's why with Helen... Um, I guess it varies well, on... Well, they're alert. We find out Helen took the potion. Yeah, she had, already said that. She had very little uh, to begin with, so she didn't have as much as Madeline had, so that's why it varies. She said mm -hmm. the cost varies per person, so how much would you, would you give everything you have? No. Hold well, on. maybe... Because I can rebuild it. Because if I'm immortal. And that's what the potion is for you guys. That Almost. Watching. Yeah, I don't know that it's immortality. We don't know. We, they don't go into that such detail. But it is. Because she still looks like she's in her late 30s. Yeah. And she's in her 70s. The woman, uh, Liesl, the one who offers it. She's, I think she says I'm 79 years old. But she no, looks. No, she says she's like 790 years no, old. No, 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 no. She's 79, 78, oh. 79. And that's why I'm saying, like, mm -hmm. she looks a lot younger, but it's not, you know, I would be impressed if she was like, oh, I'm 200 years old. Like, okay, look at how we look. This mm -hmm. is great. Either way, I I think I might. I think I would sell everything that I had for that. Wow. Okay, well, I did some research, and I found out that a man purchased the check prop that Meryl Streep used in the film. And she wrote out the check or $1 million, which is roughly 2 million or 1.8 million in 2021. But it was, you were spot on, yeah. you were spot on. So Helen visits Madeline and Ernest's mansion where she comes onto Ernest and tells him of the plan to kill Madeline and how they'll be together once they go through it, go through with it. Uh, so in this scene, there's, there's a lot of great dialogue. Helen, uh, well, just to go back to what mm -hmm, happened, mm -hmm. um, Meryl Streep's character and um, Goldie Hawn's character at that at the book party, their exchange wasn't pleasant. But mm -hmm. Bruce Willis's character, who was romantically involved with both, is now Ernest. Ernest, he's now leaning towards Helen, Goldie Hawn's character, and he's like now more attracted to her. I don't know if you went over that, but he's mm -hmm. they kind of rekindled at that book party. Like it's kind of yeah, I think he's taken yeah. by her. And he sees well. I think because he's also been married to Madeline and seeing and how the much relationship of a, a just witch fell apart, she yeah. is to him. Yeah. So uh, in this scene, uh, after where you know she visits the mansion and Helen is going to see Ernest, she's uh, <laughs> she's pretending and she's like, Madeline, I need to speak to Madeline. And Ernest is saying she's not here, and she goes, Oh, thank God, and just walks in. Uh, another one is when Liesel, so Madeline takes the potion and then Liesel, the one who's obviously just sold it to her, says now a warning. And Madeline, of course, goes now a warning, having already drank the potion. Okay, so the fight between Madeline and Ernest, there's a fight between Madeline and Ernest where she screams at him for being flaccid and not a man at all. This is after she's already taken the potion. She's changed into this beautiful black cat suit, basically, and this chiffon pink wrap. Uh, Ernest snaps and starts choking her until he releases her, uh, leaving her about to fall down the stairs. And she yells at him, hurry up, you wimp. And he just uses one finger to push her down the stairs, breaking and dislocating her neck and her basically becoming undead at this point. Uh, he runs, Ernest runs to call Helen without realizing that Madeline is still alive. So that was also great when uh, Meryl Streep sticks out her tongue and she's going flaccid. And Ernest, uh, being terrified at this point, is saying, stay away from me. And Madeline, with her head completely rotated around, now facing the opposite way, mm -hmm. she's like, you bet I will. She goes, animal, psycho, wife pusher. And uh, showing her crassness again, she's like, you're in the shit house now, pal. Uh, Edwin, any thoughts on this scene? Or This scene was 
interesting to me because it made me realize like the the potion that she took it just made her look good and made her immortal but it didn't make her like invincible because she she's like she's a so zombie. human yeah. she's a zombie at that point like she she looks dead but she's alive because he basically murdered murdered her if she wouldn't have taken that she would die. that elixir she would have been dead like she's yeah. completely dislocated and yeah we just see that kind of develop more as the story goes yes where she's dead yeah so they, they they go to visit uh the hospital which is called Hospital beverly hills where ernest and madeline attempt to find out how madeline is still alive the doctor is perplexed he hears no pulse and even throwing away one stethoscope for another another to still hear no heartbeat he bends her wrist all the way back you can hear it breaking uh, he takes a swig of booze from Ernest and goes out to get a second opinion. And the doctor himself dies of a heart attack. Ernest runs out to get help and he sees everyone attempting to save the doctor and comes back to the room where they see he sees that Madeline is missing and she's been taken to the morgue. Um, in the scene too, it's kind of weird. There's three floating nuns that pass him as he's going to the morgue to get her. There's no real explanation for that. I don't know if they were just trying to be spooky or it's really cool, but I was just wondering if there was like a, a deeper meaning to it. And I couldn't find anything that that said there was. Uh, and Ernest, he has one of the, one of the few times he has a really good line where he's like the morgue and he's like, she'll be furious. And he runs off to go get her. <laughs> uh so ernest and madeline return home with helen waiting outside unaware that madeline is still alive helen thinks that ernest has brought home madeline's corpse because that was supposed to be the plan and now she's confused and he also brought home formaldehyde uh we see the doctor is now painting madeline's body until he goes downstairs to get more supplies and that's where helen is standing at the foot of the stairs with the shovel and tarp and all the stuff that they were supposed to use to kill madeline uh, she begins to rant to him about the murder they plotted and what they need to do, but Madeline is upstairs listening to everything, and she confronts them downstairs, leaving the room until she comes back behind Helen with a shotgun and shoots her directly in the abdomen. That's when Helen flies into the fountain and blood is filling up the entire fountain. Uh, Ernest is now freaking out, and him and Madeline are now trying to get rid of Helen's body now that he thinks that she's dead, and Madeline thinks she's dead too, until Helen emerges from the fountain with a full hole through the abdomen. Uh, Helen grabs a shovel and smacks Madeline's head off of her shoulders, dislocating her neck again. I think you forgot to mention in this mm -hmm. scene too, um, this is when Madeline realized that Helen also took that elixir, because once you take yes. that elixir, you get like a pin. It's like you're part of an elite club now, yeah. which we'll discuss later. Siempre viva. Yes. So um, <laughs> Live forever. Madeline realized that Helen is a shady bitch and also <laughs> basically took this elixir and realized that she grabs the pen. Yeah, she, she grabs a pen and she realizes like mm -hmm. what you did to me, I can do to you. So yes. welcome to the zombie club. Like, yes, basically, so that's when Helen throws yeah. the shovel to Madeline and now they're just going at it with one another. So during the scene is when they both experience um, how much they care for what they realize how much they care for one another. And this, this constant dueling was because they were jealous of each other and they never really felt worthy in their own ways. Madeline was telling Helen that she felt cheap and looked down on by Helen's more educated and affluent family. And Helen saying that she always felt like the ugly duckling who was in the shadow of her superstar best friend, basically. So I think this scene is the scene that I took the most lines from that are so iconic uh when she refers to madeline not being dead when she sees her and helen goes it's alive instead of saying she's alive uh 
And then when Madeline shot Helen in the in the stomach, Ernest is like, oh my God, what are the neighbors going to do? And she goes, in 12 years of Los An living in Los Angeles, have you ever seen a neighbor? Uh, and then Helen, look, oh, when Helen rises from the fountain, she has this massive hole and the cameras from behind Helen, you see Bruce Willis and Meryl Streep in like inside of the mm -hmm. hole. And she's saying, look at me, Ernest, just look at me. I'm soaking wet. She hasn't realized that she has a gigantic hole in her stomach. Uh, Madeline saying, you're a fraud, Helen, and I can see right through you. as She's mm -hmm. looking through her. Uh, and then Helen, when she they when they start fighting and she throws the shovel to Madeline, she's like, on guard, bitch. And then just really good, yeah. good dialogue here. Really good writing. Uh, whoever, I, I should have gotten the damn screenwriter. Um, so now, having resolved these issues, they're close friends again. And Madeline and Helen are coming to Ernest for repairs to Helen's hole in the stomach yeah. and Madeline's totally dislocated neck. So Dr. Ernest, as we mentioned before, he became a, um, what's it called? Those dead people? Basically a mortician. A mortician. and For the upscale. Yeah, as a mortician, right. you learn how to do makeup on dead people. So that's they start going to him for makeup so they can look normal and go out to the real world. And on top of that, having like that medical background, he yeah. knows like what, how you're supposed to look. And yeah. yeah. So he agrees to fix him up and that he wants, he will leave forever once he finishes. He tells them that they can never look for him, but they quickly realize that without him, they're not going to look beautiful anymore. So they hit him over the head and they take him to Liesel's. Uh, Ernest wakes up at Liesel's home where she offers him a vial of the youth potion completely free as a gift, likely because he's the one who's going to be responsible for fixing everybody who has taken it. He refuses. He says he doesn't agree with it, saying that this potion isn't a dream. It's a nightmare and that they must be stopped stopped he begins to run away as they chase him walking into Liesel's spring party where we see several notable people including elvis andy warhol this is my favorite scene really yeah because it, it was just interesting because all the cameos the the cameos and some of the people that are are in that scene are people that have like um conspiracy theories yeah. regarding their death yes yeah. so you see like elvis you see james dean you see marilyn monroe greta garbo greta Gar basically every famous person that has died at a young age quote unquote it's like they're there yeah. and i thought this would be an interesting movie to remake today yeah i would like to see this like, really if, cool. if there was a remake because everything's getting remade it would be death becomes her and i can see like an all-star cast that'd be great doing it like and having fun like i could see like nicole kidman and reese witherspoon doing those characters i can't see reese doing this really this I can reese doesn't do this sort of stuff she plays like the most i think outrageous was legally, legally blonde, blonde where she's like a ditzy blonde i don't i can't imagine her being this campy i think she's i feel like nicole kidman for it. nicole's done like yeah. stepford wives and she's like she's done comedy she's did that Adam Sandler movie, just go with it, where she's a total yeah, basket witch, case. Just... Yeah, Nicole for sure, but Reese doesn't. I don't think she'd do this. There, I'm trying to think now. Who would be? I don't know. Maybe Tiffany Haddish, because she's so like campy and yes, com comedic. I can see Tiffany Haddish doing it as well. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to see Cameron Diaz if she came out of retirement oh, and did back, this. Yeah. She, she's funny as hell. She's she's just great and she's beautiful. Mila Kunis, maybe I don't know. Mm. I like her. No, I don't know. Anyway, well, cool. Think about it. Oh, you know who would be actually <laughs> very good for this? Kristen Wiig. 
Oh, oh my I God. couldn't see Kristen yes. Wiig reprising this role. Yes, perfect. That, yeah. yeah, Kristen Wiig would be really good. Um, okay, so Helen and Madeline notice that he hasn't taken the potion and begin to go after him as well, uh, as Liesl and all of her men. Ernest makes it to the roof of the mansion where he tries to figure out a way out, getting dangerously high as he climbs the roof. When Madeline and Helen catch up, they yell out to him, causing him to fall and slide down the roof with his suspender catching onto the rain gutters as he hangs, floating very high up from the mansion. They yell at him to drink it repeatedly because he's going to die unless he does, and he drops the vial on purpose to escape having to ever be with them again. He falls downward through the glass roof and into Liesl's pool. I said that weird. Pool. Into her pool. Ernest quickly makes a getaway in James Dean's car, where you see how Edwin mentioned, and we, uh, we quickly turn around from... Uh... Oh, we see him, James Dean, lighting a cigarette, and he's turning around. That's where we see him. And Liesl, Madeline, and Helen are running from the front door. So, pretty great scene. Yeah. Love the cameos. That was a good point. This whole, um, the whole film and seeing like these kind of very campy settings, it's very like 80s pink, neon kind of gray. Super. It's, it reminds me of Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get and, that for yeah, sure. Yeah, it reminds me of Tim Burton, like Edward Scissorhands, like yeah. that very, and it has the kookiness. It has yes. the weird. Yeah, it, I agree. I would have thought this was like it could have been or is a Tim mm -hmm. Burton film, but the it, Gothic it's Mansion, not... like they made it yes, in the style. That's, yeah, that's why it reminds me of that. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah, I agree. So in the final scene, very good. Are you like am very I good? Kindergartner, like A plus. <laughs> we're at Doctor Ernest Menville's funeral where we discover that he remarried, he had children, he explored the world, he started clinics, a foundation, and everything. We see Madeline and Helen in the back of the church, cloaked in black veils, snickering at the funeral program. Uh, Helen begins to cry, realizing that her pain is running. Uh, they begin to argue loudly about missing a can of spray paint, and they decide to leave, causing a scene as they exit, of course. As they exit the church, they hear the priest say that Ernest found the secret to living forever, and that it's right here in this church, so they stop in their tracks to listen, they want to know. And the priest saying it's in the hearts of the people he touched, uh, to which they quickly dismiss. And Madeline goes, blah, 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 as they walk out. Uh, they exit and go into the daylight where you see they lift their veils, revealing their skin is peeling. Their pain is drawn terribly. They they look the scariest at this point than in any other part They've of the film. They've deteriorated. They... Yes. And as they continue to argue, Helen loses her footing and she trips on the very can of spray paint that they had misplaced. And she calls out to Madeline for help since her legs aren't working. Uh, Madeline is reluctant, of course, looking like she would rather see her fall. Before she does, though, she grabs Madeline's arms and they both fall down the church steps, breaking apart into pieces like basically plastic mannequins. Helen's head rolls over to Madeline's as we see their bodies spread in uh, pieces all over the floor. And she looks at her and she goes, do you remember where you parked the car? And that's where the movie ends. The ending was funny. It's hilarious. Great. Like they both just deteriorate like some sort of cartoon they break into like hundreds of pieces because they're they're dead they're living dead they're zombies yeah. they're they're ligaments non-existent and i mean in, it's like in the literally end, mannequins again, that's what they are they're mannequins uh, zombie mannequins and in the end you basically see that death became her mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really it's really interesting too like i was thinking about them like i wonder if they're all like that or, like why does lisa look so amazing that's played by Isabella Rossellini, Rossellini, by the way. Um, like, Lisa looks so great, and I realized, like, it's because she hasn't died. So, like, the magic you know, is still there no, if they looking, hadn't died. That's why looking back at it, mm -hmm. 
when C- Cecil, the the Lisa? witch, Lisa, whatever, the witch that is giving them the eternal youth potion, mm-hmm. she said, fair warning, that was probably it. Like, you're not... She said, take care of yourself. That's yeah. why, take care yeah. of yourself. Because and she didn't. Yeah, so I think they would have been fine, right? Had they not died, yeah. they would have kept their normal human bodies. Yes. And they wouldn't have... You still have to protect your body and yeah. make sure you don't get run Basically, over. Yeah, exactly. Shot. So you can't die. Yeah. Otherwise... So I do wonder... They they're, don't like, re- they're not regenerating. They're basically like kind but of... But how paused. do they... How do you ever... Like, I wonder if they get smashed to itty bitty pieces. Are they finally gone? Or like what? Like what does it take? I'm wondering if burning. They're literally completely. I wonder if fire. Yeah, okay. maybe like cremating them. Because I saw this and I'm like, if because at the end of the film they look horrible and they don't feel pain. That's another. Yeah, thing. like you can't feel. Yes, at the end of the film, after everything that happened and um the doctor, their both of their exes died and it it probably had to have been like 30 years later. It feels like I don't know how how many years later it mm-hmm. said they look horrible like (laughs) they look disgusting they're Mm -hmm. peeling like at this point they're spraying like industrial adhesives and paint on each other to try to look somewhat okay they look disgusting and if it was at that point i would jump in a pool of fire (laughs) a pool of fire yeah (laughs) all right uh so we're gonna take a quick break and then we're just gonna do some fun facts about the film right we're back after my little chip break yep all right, so, I love and hate coming to your house, Aaron, because you have so many snacks. Yeah, but it's a bad thing because it's Sucks. like a lot. Yeah, like we're literally recording in your back room and an undisclosed undisclosed location. location. <laughs> and next surrounded to me, by chips. And next to me, there's a fig Newtons and a bottle of Stacks Lay's barbecue chips, and Snickers, <laughs> and a bottle Snickers. of brandy, <laughs> and a bottle of ginger ale. <laughs> And for some reason, there's a lot of plastic cups everywhere. Yeah, that's my dad, not me, unfortunately. All right, so this film had a budget of $55 million and ended up being a moderate success at the box office, earning $58.4 million domestically and $90.6 million internationally, bringing it to $149 million worldwide. Um, also, while filming that dramatic shovel scene where Meryl and, and Goldie Hawn are just going at each other, uh, Meryl Streep accidentally sliced Goldie Hawn's face uh, with the shovel, and it did leave a small visible scar on on her face, on Goldie's face. Uh, Kevin Klein was the first pick originally of Dr. Ernest Menville, not uh, Bruce Willis. But he heard that Streep and Han were receiving higher pay for their shared roles, uh, $4 million each. So he decided to walk away from the film and Bruce Willis was given the role. And he was fresh off of the Die Hard franchise and like america's hunky mm-hmm. actor so it's it was interesting he took this job where he's like bloated and alcoholic and, and not paid as much <laughs> yeah not paid as much um so the the film did a really great job of meshing like practical and digital effects um but they also had to make a whole prosthetic for Meryl, like an yeah. animatronic of Meryl, but they ended up not using it uh, in the film. Yeah, because the just to speak on the visual effects of this, well, to continue what you were saying, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Like as soon as you see Meryl take the shot of the youth elixir, her ass climbs up, her breast climb up, her skin tightens. It's just like so interestingly. Yeah. That's what I was going to talk about the, the the breast part where her breasts perk up it were not special effects at all. It was actually Meryl Streep's personal dresser because they they got um, like a air pressured bra that was supposed to push it up, but it wasn't giving the effect that they wanted. So they had them they had the dresser stand behind 
and pushing basically pushing up her breast with her finger so if you look closely you see her fingers like right underneath her breast pushing it up and she just had to hold it really still so that she wouldn't move and just kept her breasts in position can you basically. imagine getting paid to grab meryl's tits and push them up <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that's just like that's history like yes. like yeah that's me grabbing Meryl's tits and I mean, making them look cool perky. That, it's pretty cool yeah. but I mean I mean it's cool that Meryl's open to that too cuz I think a lot of people mm -hmm. would be uncomfortable for that yeah. but I mean that's why Meryl Streep is the most nominated academy award actress because she lets people grab her breasts that's she why she lets people grab her tits oh, yeah please uh no she she's open to these I think a lot of things, actors yeah. though I think a lot of actors are going to do that in Hollywood they're not it's not a a, a you know once in a while situation i think mm -hmm. especially if it's someone that you know like if you have an assistant oh, yeah. if you have an assistant on set like i'd been like okay yeah just do it really quick i mean like, let's th go. thankfully so. they allowed her uh, it wasn't her assistant her clothing her dresser her dresser to do it because that could have been real sketchy real quick because i'm sure I mean, yeah harvey weinstein was still alive at the time so <laughs> let's not He's still alive now. I thought he died. No, he's no, alive. No, Harvey Weinstein died. He's alive, Edwin. No, I thought he was dead. No, he's alive. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought he Hold died. Hold on. Give Edwin a moment to check. Oh, Wikipedia. That's a good source. Yeah, he's alive. Yeah. I thought he died. Uh, Why do you think he died? So another thing that was interesting was that miniature sets were utilized on the set of Death Becomes Her, most notably Liesl's Gothic Mansion, which is so cool. Um... There's a photo behind the scenes where like this guy's crouched over painting it. And it's it's literally like a four foot mansion, but they they made yeah. it look like it was this. I mean, that mansion doesn't exist, of course. The, who's gonna have that damn thing? But this whole movie looks was awesome. like um like an imaginary L.A. They kind of make fun of L.A. This I mean, this yeah, whole they movie do a really good job. It's a satire. It's yeah. a satire. They're making fun of like that whole L.A. The Hollywood undead. Yes, yeah, like thing. green juice, youth elixir, kind of like young forever. And they completely just recreated everything. And I mean, like we see that they do the Leo Spital, like, mm -hmm. like that's probably Cedar Sinai or whatever. But um, and then you see like these Gothic mansions and these houses that were made. It's like they're just making fun of L.A. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Meryl Streep actually told Entertainment Weekly that Death Becomes Her was going to be her first only and last involvement with CGI and uh, films because there, there were so many repetitive takes that she just did not, it said it doesn't go with her acting style. And she says it was very tedious, like being at the dentist. So I feel like that I, that's an old interview. I could have sworn she's done CGI work. Um, that film that she was in where she played that witch and James Corden is in it. And uh, oh, yeah. Emily Blunt is in it. I thought she did CGI or no. Did she not do CGI? Yes, that's, that's I CGI, mean, right? Everything new to this day, it's practically all CGI. Yeah. I was trying to think back and I couldn't mm. I couldn't think of a film that she's done that's CGI. And I thought of that one. That's the only one. But even then, I don't know that she was necessarily doing CGI work because she was just dressed as a witch. And then I think it was a, like a blue screen behind her. So I don't know if that. I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, like I said, the reason she is one of the highest paid and most awarded actresses and nominated actresses, she goes with the times and the change. Like, you know, she, mm -hmm. so if she's done CGI after that, I mean, that's what Hollywood became in the film industry. It's all CGI. Yeah. Um, and also the final one, Meryl Streep initially thought that the role of Helen was going to be hers. She didn't expect to be playing Madeline when she was read the mm -hmm. script. She thought, Oh, I'm going to be Helen. Um, and she didn't she didn't really understand Madeline at first. I guess she's like, I, I'm I'm gonna be the one singing and dancing and I'm gonna be mm -hmm. the, the loud obnoxious. Meryl's a little bit more subdued. So 
I think she was surprised, but I mean, everybody that's seen it knows like who the hell else can play Madeline Ashton except Meryl Streep. Yeah. So that's it. Um, damn it. I wanted us to have our second, I mean, our, our, the next movie to tell them what it was going to be. Oh, I think Legally Blonde. Okay. Legally Blonde's a good one. All right. We'll do Legally Blonde. So next week, get ready. We're going to Harvard. <laughs> what, what, like, it's like hard? It's hard? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 179. Oh, there's so many good lines. So you went to the gym. Then you got a prom. <laughs> and then you got, that's when you got in the shower? <laughs> the ammonium cyclocline? Don't Somebody stop that, oh my god, I, like, I can quote shoes, yeah, that so whole much. movie. I get in trouble with like you and Haley for at least when I dress that. up like a frigid bitch, I try not to look so constipated. <laughs> what is the oh my god, the bandits? There's so much, yeah. So oh, much that's gonna be a long. fun one yeah. to do. Let's watch it right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll see you guys next week. Uh, we'll see you at Harvard. Bye, bye. <laughs>